Hey friends, and welcome to this episode of the All Things Good podcast from Luther Memorial Church in Quincy. I'm Pastor Tony, and the plan this week was to bring you a conversation that I had with Sam Dancer, an elite CrossFit athlete and co-owner of Q-Town Fitness here in Quincy with his wife, Jen. And that conversation did happen, and it was amazing, and I'm so excited to share it with you. But unfortunately, there are just a few technological kinks that I need to work out before I can do that. So that will be coming very soon. And in the meantime, I want to share with you a sermon that I'm going to be preaching this morning at Luther Memorial. Uh, I think it's a really important word. And because it's a little bit shorter than most sermons I preach, I'm also going to read to you the text that it's based on. And so if you want to get out your Bibles, um, you'll find this in Mark chapter 8 verse 27 through chapter 9, verse 8. So if you have your Bibles, great. If not, just settle in and let me read to you this really amazing story from the Gospel of Mark. Here we go. A reading from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James, and John, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. 
This is the Gospel of the Lord. One of the things I think I've picked up after 12 or 13 years of preaching the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that they are written very carefully. And so whatever is there, whatever information we are given is there for a reason. Nothing is frivolous. So we can assume that when we're told that Jesus and his disciples are in Caesarea Philippi, that that information is there for a reason. It's important. How do you think a place like Caesarea Philippi got its name? If you were to guess that it was named by a man named Philip who named it after himself, you'd be right. This was Philip II, who was also known as Philip the Tetrarch. He was set up by Rome to rule in this particular area of the Roman Empire. This area had many names throughout the ages, but when he took power, he named it after himself as a permanent monument to his power and his reign. But it wasn't just his name, right? He also included Caesarea to honor the Roman emperor Augustus or Caesar, who had put him in this place of power. I had the great pleasure of serving Emmanuel Lutheran Church in George, Iowa, for my first call in ordained ministry. Shout out to all my friends in Iowa. And George always seemed to me to be a comparatively humble way to name a town after yourself, because you know that in a few generations, people are going to be saying, who was George anyway, right? But in Philip's case, Naming this city Caesarea Philippi was just as arrogant and egotistical as it sounds. He even had coins made with his image on them, little reminders every day of who was on top. So it was here, in Caesarea Philippi, that Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? It's incredibly significant that here in Caesarea Philippi, Peter responds, You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. Because when Peter says, Jesus, you are the Messiah, you are the anointed one, he's also saying who is not, right? And it's important that we understand that Peter would have meant this in both spiritual but also in political terms. It's no surprise that when Peter said this out loud that Jesus sternly warned them not to tell anyone. This was dangerous speech, when you're in Caesarea Philippi, where the very name of the city proclaims that Philip is the ruler and Emperor Augustus is the anointed one. We can be certain that when Peter said, you are the Messiah, he meant that in political terms because when Jesus started to explain that he's not going to be the kind of ruler, the kind of king that they expect, that he must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again, Peter said, no, this must never happen to you. This isn't what I have in mind for you, Jesus. Jesus then rebuked Peter right back and said, you have your mind set on human things, not divine things. You see, Jesus wasn't after a temporary earthly kingdom, you see. Jesus, the Christ, was and is so much bigger than any one time or one place or one people. His power is so much bigger than any earthly power. Of earthly leaders like Philip and Emperor Augustus, 
Psalm 49 verse 11 says this, their graves are their homes forever. Their dwelling places to all generations, though they named lands their own. It's a very important time that we as people of faith living in this world and in the midst of all of the struggles for power and all the political ads and debates and campaign signs with candidates' names emblazoned on them, that we, just as much as the disciples, need to proclaim who Jesus is and who we serve and the place he holds. Now, I don't mean to say that politics and elections aren't important. Indeed, they are. And we, as, as people of faith, are called to be engaged in the world. We all know that it makes a difference to the lives of a lot of actual, real people who is elected president. And so if something matters to our neighbors, it also has to matter to us. And not just president, but who gets elected to Congress or governor or mayor or dog catcher or whatever. It matters, especially to the weakest and poorest and most vulnerable among us who always suffer the most in these shifts of power and policy. So Christians certainly ought to be engaged in politics. But what we need to be really clear about is that while we might support this candidate or that one, that this is not where we place our trust and our hope and our faith. Our faith, dear people, is not placed in human names. And I think that each and every one of us probably needs to examine to what extent we have done exactly that. To what extent we have placed our hope and our faith in human names. There's only one name under heaven that is worthy of our honor and our praise and our worship and our hope and our faith and our love. His name is Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God. But again, friends, we have to remember what kind of king he is. He's the king who must suffer, the king who must be rejected and killed and after three days rise again. He said to his disciples and he says to us, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Being a follower of Jesus isn't about gaining more and more for ourselves. It's not about success or notoriety or prosperity. It is not about power. It's about the opposite of all that. It's about self-denial. It's about thinking of my neighbor before myself. It's about humbling myself. It's about giving up our lives and mysteriously discovering that it's in giving up our lives for the sake of, our, of the gospel, for the sake of our neighbor, that we find true life and abundant life. And Jesus says, that those who are ashamed of this way, this teaching of them, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Oof. This is a hard word that I'm about to say, but I say it to myself as much as I say it to you. When we put our hope and our trust and our faith in earthly power, what we are saying 
essentially is that we are ashamed of the way and the teaching of Jesus. Like I said, it's a hard word, but a hard word is sometimes what we need to find the good news of the gospel. And this word is so critical to our ability to be authentic Christians in the world that we're living in today. It's sad and it's disheartening that Christians today are just as likely, maybe more likely, to get caught up in this power game as anyone else. And we need to be really clear that this power game that our world plays is not the way of Christ. Again, it's not that politics and elections have no importance. They do. They have real consequences. But if our hope, if our sense of peace or security is placed in human leaders, no matter who they are, or in the results of elections, then our hearts are tragically in the wrong place. And we need to be transformed. We need to be evangelized. We need to be brought back to Christ. After telling his disciples that he's going to suffer and die and be raised, in the midst of their grief and confusion and fear, Jesus takes a few of them high up on a mountain where he is transfigured before them. Right there before their eyes, they get just a glimpse, just a taste of the life and the joy and the glory that comes on the other side of suffering and death. It is not an easy path that we are called to, friends. It is a path that runs headlong against the ways of this world. But it's a path that leads to abundant life in Christ Jesus. May we, in these dark times, be a shining light, just like Jesus on the mountain, pointing to an authentically different way. And even as we are fully engaged with this world, may our eyes be set on things that are higher than the things of this world the things that are here today and dead and gone tomorrow. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the All Things Good podcast. We want to let you know that we worship at Luther Memorial at 12th and Jersey every Sunday morning starting at 9.30 a.m. and you would be so welcome to join us. If you want to learn more about this podcast or listen to other episodes that have been posted, you can find us on pretty much any podcasting platform just by searching All Things Good and then looking for our logo. Or you can go to our church website at lmcquincy.com and just click the tab that says All Things Good. We are so grateful for your support, for your likes and your shares on social media and for subscribing to this podcast. Thanks again for listening today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Bye-bye.